29th of June to July 6, 2022. Having enjoyed our trip to Broadhead one year ago, we decided to return this year to the cozy cabin on the shore of Lake Decatur, Wisconsin. It is not far from home, is relatively quiet, there is ample nature, great space for cycling including my nemesis hill climb, and a measure of peace for our dogs who freak out over the fireworks that tend to start a month before Independence Day before peaking on 4th of July then tapering off. There were fireworks heard at the cozy cabin. Sky-high explosions bursting with color culminating in a series of massive bombs bursting in air has been my tradition for every Independence Day and my quickly fading memory but the quantity is significantly less than experienced in our explosion-enthusiastic Chicago neighborhood. June 29, 2021 I chose green to log my first entry, the color of the lush landscape populated with extensive tree varieties endemic to the Wisconsin Lake Country. I bounce between myriad colors in my notebooks because I enjoy the dance colors make across my retina a split instant prior to brain interpretation. This is our second year at the Sugar Shack Cabin on the shore of Lake Decatur where we have freedom from most man-made noise contraptions, except for a few minutes of motorboats scuttling across the calm waters on this first day, an annoyance that will steadily increase approaching Independence Day. The silence is beyond imagination. We are able to hear birds sing, frogs croak, fish splash in the glassy water leaving concentric ripples to dissipate in the weed rafts. For the first time in 11 years, I decided to spend a bit of time fishing. I had to buy rod and reel, bobbers, jig heads, worms, and an out-of-state fishing license. All told, the gear set me back a touch over $100. I had hundreds of dollars in fishing gear until a bad accident on a pitch-dark road in rural Wisconsin tossed it into Never Never Land. I don't expect to catch much. The activity is more for the memories that will rise from the depths of my consciousness like a fish rises to snag an insect skittering on the lake surface. Surprisingly, the first evening wasn't too bad. The take included two pumpkin seeds, two bluegills, three crappies, two largemouth bass, and one buffalo carp. The carp was the biggest of the bunch and the fiercest fighter. The dog sniffed and pawed at the fish when it fell off the hook, onto the pier, before I shuttled it back into the water. I would never swim in this lake. It's nowhere near the nastiness of the Ganga but still too nasty for my sensibilities. As we approach the weekend and the holiday, the crowds and noise will tick up. Before that, we will enjoy the serenity that includes the serenading of the natural world. I've got to watch that I don't breathe too hard or have my heart beat too fast for both would pierce the silence shattering the coveted ambience. The caddis hatch is missing this year. The thousands of insect husks are nowhere to be seen. So far, the chicka ddddd have not shown their white feathers nor sung their chirpy songs. But we did see a bald eagle and a squadron of pelicans including one soaring right in front of us while we sat at the water's edge eating pizza and sipping vino. Only a few fireflies this first night. Hopefully, more will put on a light show later this week dragging me back in time to my youth. It is noticeably cooler than last year which I'm digging big time. Definitely looking forward to the symphony at daybreak. I will be up early as is my nature. June 30, 2021. Woke up a mite bit early to get the jump on the fish. Buckus the entire morning. The condition seemed perfect, overcast, still water, bugs skating across the surface leaving arrowhead wakes, splishes and splashes from fish breaking the surface before disappearing with a left-behind swirl, perfection personified, cosmetically, yet no fish caught. Goes to show the deceptive nature of relying on superficiality while dismissing the underlying reality. That could spark a diatribe regarding the nature of reality as a collective illusion or hallucination trapping society into a way of being but my early morning mind is more focused on the morning dove's understated cooing than deep philosophical musings, though those may yet rise. In the meantime, the doves are highly vocal this morning. 
they seem to be all around yet I see nary a one. There are other singing birds but their calls tend toward staccato, machine gun spurts where I desire melody. My mind is also bouncing around staccato leaving me feeling agitated, restless, angst. It will take a few days to move from activity to being. A long bike ride would help the transition, except the humidity is near 100% and I would rather not go for a swim on my bicycle. The decision kills the 200 miles planned for June. I started strong until inclement Chicago weather nip that goal in the bud. Nip it. Nip it. Nip it in the bud. The nature of my reality is journaling to classical Indian music or a variety of chants ranging from Gregorian to Tibetan Buddhist to Native American. It is a battle to keep the music turned off and scribe instead on the damp pages to the ambient aura. My mind is pulled from page to prayer, the prayers of the birds in all their wonderfully diverse languages. It remains peaceful, I feel an undercurrent of peacefulness, until a car grinds on the gravel road scrubbing away the little serenity I have been able to muster. Truth be told, the morning doves are becoming monotonous and a distracting annoyance. Damn monkey brain won't relax, yet. The forecast for the week calls for some deliciously cool evening temps perfect for fire time. Always love a good campfire even if I'm the only one mothing to the glow. Fires feel primeval. It doesn't matter if the conflagration is confined to a manufactured fire ring depicting a bull moose foraging in an evergreen forest of the north woods as does the one on our pier. The moose belongs in Canada, Maine, Minnesota. Feels out of place in southern Wisconsin. I have heard black bear are slowly returning to their former habitats in Wisconsin and working their way down into Illinois. To see a black bear would be glorious, a wolf doubly glorious. Hearing a pack howl would approach heaven on earth. Wolves have been spotted less than 200 miles north so a serenade is not out of the realm of possibility. Following my morning dove's comment, they have become eerily quiet. Did those thoughts become manifest and ripple into the universe and cause insult? Is this collective consciousness in action? It almost makes me feel like a god when, by simply uttering a few syllables, their impact ripples through the web of being. Not that I want to be a god, or the god concept, too much responsibility. The omnipresence thing does appeal to my vanity. I will need to wait until the transition from this life to my subsequent incarnations, the space between consciousness shifts when all is revealed before the veil drops again. Another life to work on perfecting our being by relying on vestigial memories from previous lives and special revelations between departure and return to course correct from previous existences until perfection is achieved. I wonder who my parents are now. Would I recognize them if our lives intersected? Assuming they are human and not some higher life form. Assuming the transition between lives begins at the exact moment of death, one of them would be a teen, the other a tad over one year old. Another assumption, time is linear when connecting incarnations and a one-to-one -one relationship. For all I know, they may have portions of themselves doled out to as many individuals as the collective consciousness deems necessary to perpetuate healthy existences. There is also the possibility those slices are not infant-bound but infused into older beings at junctures in their journey needing an infusion of knowledge or skills or personality, they were lacking. The superego in me prefers I remain intact across incarnations albeit with increasing wisdom able to leverage past life experiences into future life-enhanced decision-making prowess, a sort of perfecting over time, whatever perfection may be, linear, non-linear, circular, waves, randomness, ongoing like the evergreen leaves, broad and open like the catalpa leaves, or consistently irregular as reflected in the mighty oak's leaves. This all assumes time exists. For all our brains know, we may have only the now with all other memories planted, a grand simulation which means even the now could be non-existent. Who is flipping the switches in the matrix? Is it the dainty woodpecker tapping at yonder pine tree? 
or turtle breaking surfaces exposing just its head surveying the ramification of each switch flipped. Hopefully, it wasn't the skeeter I crushed for then the controls would be unmonitored or under the jurisdiction of a neophyte not yet blooded. It could just as easily be the lone muskrat pacing the fallen tree, partially submerged, seemingly drunk, if I can judge by what appears to be its unique step pattern. It is an aquatic creature more at home in the buoyant weather than a landlubber. Still, its resemblance to brown rats is more than a bit unsettling. Hell, for all I know, I may actually be God placed on earth with a curtain drawn on divine awareness so as not to unduly influence my actions on this expeditionary quest to understand my human creations without smiting the bastards in the process. So many possibilities each equally as valid as an imaginary old white dude hanging out in the clouds above passing judgment based on the illusion of free will. Who is to say which is right and which is an illusion? God is male. God is male? God is female would be a better representation. Female, giver of life, a creator of life. But it is men, the takers of life, that wrote the holy books ascribing prophets and priests to be men and women to be cattle. This dichotomy leads to the most common shell for the infinite creator having a dick stick. Birthing life is the ultimate godlike behavior, giving life where none previously existed. It is no wonder societies living close to earth see God as mother, not father. I carved out time to fish while musing. Three more crappy and a single bluegill. Lost another lunker and realized it was not because my line broke. It was lost because my very light line slipped the knot under fish pressure. A new tying method coming on the morrow. July 1, 2021. A crisp 65 degrees this morning and overcast. Ridding myself of outside noise is a far greater challenge than I can overcome in one week, the normally glassy lake ripples with the breeze blowing from the northwest. The wondrous sounds of nature are being brutalized by the cacophony of a gas engine. It is an assault on my senses. I expect no less from the influx of boats and people arriving with the holiday weekend. Paradise for them. Torture for me. But I am the anomaly, a craver of silent solitude in a world that can't shut up. I am like the lone turtle, eastern painted variety, perched on the same partially submerged log muskrat cross the other day. Why it is sunning on a sunless day is beyond my comprehension. That she stands alone. I'm perched on my own log, sort of, a wooden deck where I enjoy alone time while my wife and the dog sleep. This moment is near wild heaven for the likes of me, well, it is now that the engine drone has ceased and the sounds in which I am immersed are the singing birds and the flutter of leaves dancing with the undulating winds. I don't see the big head snapper prowling the shadows but I'm sure it is lurking, hoping a succulent frog wanders within striking distance of the formidable jaws. I've seen snappers take frogs in open water. The stealthy approach, the lightning strike, the vice-strong jaws. Frog doesn't stand a chance against the fierce weapon. In some respects, I envy turtle. They have the strength to carry their home on their backs. A permanent backpacking adventure. Wherever they lay their hat is home. It is an enviable freedom. But I don't want them to be confined to a pond. Turtle does make forays onto land but that makes them vulnerable. On land, they plot as I plot in water. Then, I am confined to land markedly smaller than the rivers, lakes, seas, and oceans dominating the majority of the planet. Who is really more confined? Sea turtle in the vast ocean or me on the continents caged in by political boundaries? Add in their ability to travel vertically in the salt where I, under my own power, am anchored to the elevation of the land neath my feet. Thankfully, I can read so vicarious experiences are a turn of the page away. And I can write. Assuming we are not caged in a matrix, I can read and reminisce the experiences captured in my little books which are their own unique form of freedom. I have an app that will identify a bird by its song. I ask myself, why? Why do I need to visualize the bird? 
Is it not enough to revel in the song? To enjoy the auditory celebration of the avian beings? Having a picture and a name does nothing to enhance the song's beauty, elegance, or impact on my soul. The picture is not even the actual bird but one of the bird species. So the visual is unrelated to the bird. I might as well visualize Billie Holiday's voice coming from Michael Stipe's mouth. Both are the same species but, to the discerning eye, completely different individuals. The app suggested a few birds the two times I tried it out. Unless I have visual confirmation, it is impossible to truly assign a species to the song. I don't need to know the individuals making up the orchestra to enjoy the concert. Nor do I need to know the bird to enjoy the choral. About the only benefit of assigning a face to a song is my ego, an ego priding itself in knowing and cataloging facts for later regurgitation to prove I am an intellectual. The ego can be an insidious beast. Better to nip it in the bud before it becomes bloated with itself causing strife in the world like an acorn clanging the metal roof of a wilderness cabin, a ringing mobile during a concert. Unpleasant to all within hearing range. Thankfully, the phone was low on charge so it is now the house on a lifeline giving me a line on nature life. I won the skirmish with the ego and can settle in forming a strategy to win the ego war. We travel to the sugar shack over the 4th of July holiday for the sake of our dogs who are terrified of loud noises, fireworks particularly, grating on their nerves. I miss standing on the old condo roof with a full glass of red wine and a chocolate bar admiring the ostentatious peacock displays exploding bright with a chest reverberating boom before fading. But the dogs need the relative peace away from the noise. There will be some red glare, bursting rockets in air, but nothing like the month-long explosions in the big city. The sugar shack is close to home, a couple-hour drive which is convenient. Still, next year, I would embrace a venue change to a more remote northern cabin, also on a lake, where Loon may entertain us with their hauntingly beautiful songs. It would increase our two-hour drive to almost ten hours but it would be worthwhile from a soul-healing, spirit-edifying perspective. And if, as Irene suggested, we buy a new and bigger SUV for our domestic travels, it would be a comfortable drive in style. Oddly, I sense more stress driving this two-hour trip than I did during our very long drive to New Mexico and Utah last year. Then I was in a driving zen zone, a calm heart, a mind at ease, a beautiful co-pilot. The anticipation of driving to Broadhead and arriving in a mere two hours meant never entering driving serenity. It was almost as stressful as driving the insane Colorado mountain roads. I wonder if I will ever find lasting peace? Or if I will forever be angst-ridden with moments, brief moments, of contentedness. Both my parents seem to have found peace long before approaching their deathbeds, or, maybe, the deathbed is where their peacefulness was most evident because we were so stressed at their imminent passing. I don't want to wait until my final moments to finally dwell in peace. Too little, too late. I want peace in those final moments but don't want to wait until the jumping off point to the next existence phase. I find respite from the angst when mastering new skills but the fog fades as the learning S-curve flattens. Relationships, even with a significant other are a combination of joy and stress leading me to believe I am relationship challenged. It's a fact I've grown to accept, mostly. Thankfully, I am very comfortable with my own company a lesson learned living in Hindustan. The flip side of not finding peace, what if angst is my mind's way of keeping curious and engaged, curiously engaged, engagedly curious? A happy David would then be an angst-ridden David? Question. Exclamation. Somewhere between? Fuck. 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 July 2, 2021. Caught a couple of bluegills yesterday in a buffalo carp. The carp was just over a foot long and brought across the chest like a walleye. Didn't expect to catch anything other than bluegill and small panfish so the hard-fighting carp was a welcome surprise. 
The new knot style worked wonderfully. No string broken. No knot slipped. I am now wondering if the two fish I lost on the first day were bass, as originally surmised, or these fierce carp. I never laid an eye on either. The ego in me wants to claim bass, a righteous fish sought by fishermen willing to drop $10,000s on boats, gear and trips. Really a rather silly thought process on my end. I fish to enjoy the process and the adrenaline surge of a good fight. And savoring succulent flesh of the fresh caught. I'm not planning on eating anything out of this lake so species should be irrelevant. I should embrace the diversity and drop my bias against the rough fish. Hell, they may even be good eaten. I don't know for the bottom feeders, as they are called for their foraging habits, is a charged phrase implying unfit for consumption by people, yet catfish, another bottom feeder is commonly eaten. Had I been starving, no such label would stand in my way from a life-sustaining meal. I must admit, I do like the pattern of their scales along with the golden-brown hue. On other fronts, the pelicans did not roost in their usual place last night. I did see a couple soaring with effortless grace last evening first sighting them reflected in the glassy water. A species I always thought of as a silent assassin, the proverbial silent fisherman, squawked to high heaven. I never knew the great blue heron had such a powerful voice. They won't win a prize for their arias, sounding more like crow than the melodious catbird or grosbeaks, but for volume, yowza. They are loud. I recently purchased Tibetan incense. Each stick incorporates 100 medicinal and aromatic plants from the Himalayas. The incense is designed as an offering and to purify, refresh, and soothe the environment and the self while bringing good luck, happiness, and harmony. That's a hell a lot of responsibility for a plant mixture. But who am I to question the medicinal knowledge of so ancient a culture? Just because there are no pills to swallow does not imply the medicinal qualities are absent. My personal joy comes from the aromatic qualities. Unlike the vast majority of my incense collection which emit an almost sweet scent, the Tibetan incense is more pungent. Earthy. Initially, I was off-put at their aroma. Given time, it grew on me. I find joy in the smell they exude when kissed by fire. Perhaps, they do arouse feelings of happiness. As for their purification properties, I'm not really sure what it means to the Tibetans to purify. I'm too mired in the Catholic-slash-Christian conundrum where purification means to rid a person of imaginary sin. For that, they claim confession is required to an authority representing God, an intercessory to dispense forgiveness. I call bullshit. I just wish I could expunge the odious stain of Catholicism from my mind. It would be a far clearer space if I could. Anyway, the incense is stickless. No bamboo was defiled in their making, as far as I know. Sand sticks, my incense holders are useless. Except for the incense coffin allowing me to stick the stick in a hole and balance vertically, up to the final 1.5 inches which falls over and stops burning. I need to investigate how the Tibetas solve the challenge. My guess is they stick it in sand. Will the below sand part burn or is it thrown away? Dilemma, a bird landed on my deck, a bird resembling a plover only much smaller. I am cringing because I don't know its name. Yet, I don't want to be beholden to a generic name for an entire species and the connotations they carry. I will fight my ego and simply call it butt bobber for it continuously bobs its tail feathers to a cadence I will never comprehend. What music does the bird hear that inspires it to dance so? It hop flew from the deck to a partially submerged rock where it poked in the algae left behind by receding waves. It didn't stay long. I guess the pickings were slim to none. Fish count for the day, two smallies, four bluegill, one crappy, one buffalo carp, and a flippin' catfish caught on a rapala. The catfish fought like an emfair. I wouldn't mind catching a few more of those, as long as I can de-hook without having to touch its slime or risk being impaled on the sharp fins.
those things hurt and the pain lingers. July 3, 2021. Today is the day I expect serenity to shatter as the glassy lake surface is scarred by motorboats such as the one yesterday evening playing music loudly. Sound carries far in lake country. We are able to hear the voices from a few hundred yards away. I will need to make sure I'm sitting on the dock of the bay early, earlier than I have been for it is likely the only time I will be free from the cacophony. Last night a few cedar waxwings, a beautifully crested bird with a yellow band decorating the tail tip, flushed the caddis flies from their tree hideout then feasted. Twas an amazing scene acted out. Nature in the raw. The waxwings are back this morning, visiting the same trees, but are leaving empty-beaked. The caddis are most active in the crepuscular hours when they emerge in droves dotting the night sky near the shoreline trees. They seem to prefer oaks but that may be because oaks dominate the shore in my line of vision. The weather was glorious last night. Just cool enough to warrant a low fire with the aroma of wood smoke infiltrating the air keeping the mosquitoes at bay, not too cold that we shivered. And the water was calm while the air carried but a few traces of human voices. Prior to our next-door neighbors sliding in, we felt remote as the hinterlands. Thankfully, they were not too loud. Still, any human sounds rend the silky aura. How many of these silky auras exist in my lifetime? How do I maximize the possible intersections of my life and silk? I can imagine upon retiring, hopping in a car and driving for a couple of years, a vagabond, a nomad, wherever I lay my head becomes my home with a new home every few days. Explore the south in the winter, the north, and mountainous regions in the summer. The first month off, the trip alone, then accompanied by my beloved and her menagerie. The first few months to center myself with creation, to clear my head from 40 years of corporate life, to get in touch with my soul self. Afterward, with my honey to share the joy of discovery with minimal encumbrances to our wanderlust. The on my own time lived from a car, tent, hammock, maybe a teardrop trailer camper for convenience. Cameras, notebooks, and paints to record my experiences, plenty of hours devoted to deep thinking, perhaps, solve the riddles of life. Why do we exist? Why do I still have breath in my lungs when my grandfather died in his forties? What are the names of the nymphs living secretly inside the trees? What does turtle contemplate while sunning on partially submerged logs? Do coyote prayers get answered more frequently than loon or raven or oak or sandstone prayers? Is my perpetual longst a curse or a blessing? Why can't I exist content as the birds picking sleeping caddis flies from the underside of tree leaves? Can I skate through my remaining days without having to know the name of every bird, animal, flower, rock I encounter? What can I learn by studying delicate arch for a full and consecutive 24 hours? All these questions are overshadowed by the reality, will I even live long enough to see retirement let alone have enough life left to enjoy my, so-called, golden years, especially if lived on the go with few encumbrances or restrictions to roving wanderings? Perhaps, I could ingest the journey and shit out a manuscript, a publishable book someone, anyone might actually enjoy reading. Ah, such a heavenly view of existence. Wind flittering through cottonwood trees dances a tune of water babbling over rocks. Wind pushing through a mixed coniferous-slash-deciduous forest is a relaxing white noise perfect for lulling one to sleep. Nature's lullaby. A melodious bird call perfumes the air. It sounded familiar. As soon as I saw the red body, I realized it was cardinal singing. Beautiful bird. Beautiful song. Not that the two should logically be intertwined but we humans tend to shy from logic and equate the song all the more beautiful because the source is beautiful. A form of prejudiced behavior. After a few minutes of lyrical elegance, a rival male perches in a tree within viewing distance of the original avian. The melody ceased and the two entered into a chirping banter. Back and for they spoke at each other until both flew in opposite directions. 
the dueling chirping sounded like a conversation in Morse code, cardinal code, where much info was conveyed in their secret language. I wish I had a decoder ring to decipher the messages. I can almost imagine their convo. Bird 1, dude. Yo, dude. I'm talking to you. Bird 2, dude, what dude? B1, why you raining on my parade? I was here first making this my space. Do you have no manners? B2, dude, I didn't cross the line. Tree here is the boundary. B1, yeah, but you are still too close for my comfort. B2, what you gonna do about it? B1, I'm gonna shout insults in an outrageous French accent until you see the error of your ways and fuck off. B2, we? Go ahead, moan Emmy. B1, ah, fuck off dude. B2, yo mama, bitch. And they both having blustered to look tough flew away before either lost face. July 4th, 2021. Second to the last day to enjoy the spoils of my labor, albeit temporarily, one week out of so many in the year. Ideas for writing are as elusive as the fish jump I heard in the concentric circles extending before returning to the Quicksilver Lake surface. It is 7.21 a.m. on a gorgeous morning, so peaceful. Once I finish my breakfast, it is out for a longish bike ride. Shooting for 30 plus today. Unfortunately, forgot to freeze my water bottle so the delightfully cold beverage will warm closer to ambient temps. Nary a cloud in the sky. Hot. I will need to ride fast to stay cool. No turtles sunning on their log today. Did my arrival to the upper deck spook them? They tend to be ultra-sensitive to the moving of us hairy apes. Who can blame them? We kill indiscriminately. Don't even see their little heads poking through the water. They are as absent from view as were the caddis last evening. Did not see a one when just a few days earlier they swarmed by the hundreds. Did see bats last night swooping near the water, fluttering in their erratic style higher in the sky as they twitched for insects. Fishing, they move in mysterious ways. Six bluegill, one buffalo, one catfish between three and five pounds the catfish is the story. My bobber was sitting all by its lonesome when I saw a big swirl around the bobber. One second. Two seconds. Nothing. Then the bobber shot down and I set the hook. After much line spinning and water thrashing, the beast was at the pier. I had no tool to haul it out of the water so was sorta of glad when I reached with my pliers and it shook the hook before slinking away. Adrenaline rush and the joy of my fishing evening. It was close to the last fish I caught before it was too dark to see the bobber and I had to call it quits. The other joy of the day was the 30 mile bike ride with just over 1000 feet of climbing. A personal best with my current Garmin device. My Jamaica trip, the 10 hours in the saddle one day, including an hour uphill climb. That was exhausting and I was much younger. It was also on a mountain bike adding to the difficulty. Last year out here, one of the hills kicked my ass. I stopped at the midpoint and walked to the top. This year, I made it to the top on two different days without stopping. It was glorious. One more day than an early exit to pick up Puss Puss the cat. The only way to get my wife going for an early start is to have the welfare of an animal at stake or a reunion with one of her fur people. She wants to be gone by 9am on Thursday. I will be ready. Will she? I have my doubts, strong doubts. But, anything later than noon pickup of the cat means an additional fee. It is minor so I'm not gonna die on that hill. July 5, 2021 Last full day at the Sugar Shack in Broadhead, Wisconsin on Lake Decatur. Last night my watch emptied of batter life. A portent? A message I'm supposed to decipher? Is it time to call time on my working life? Or am I reading too much into the situation coming about because I forgot to pack my watch charging cable? Drivel. Who cares about randomness? Anyway, last day. 
Second to last morning. Probably the last of early AM scribing cause W are leaving early on the morrow. Today, I write with turquoise, a favorite color. It, the color, is captured in a bead worn around my neck has protected me from evil spirits for a year now. I'm also cooking Tibetan incense whose pungent scent has officially supplanted all other incenses as my preferred aroma, an aroma that helps define my creative space with a pleasant aura. And for the first time, music to accompany the morning animal symphony. Classical Indian music as is my want for releasing the creative ideas bouncing round my brain case which reminds me of the lone eastern painted turtle sunning on its favorite log. Someday, I would like to possess a hollowed turtle carapace from a turtle dying of natural causes, soft bits consumed by natural agents sustaining their own families. Murder would taint the shell's vibe, the violent act infusing it with terror. Possessing such would sully my personal karma. I will never be able to win the internal balance heavily tilted toward negative karma but still will do what I can to slow the rate at which negativity accumulates. I can be perfectly good from today to eternity and never be able to balance the scales. With these words, a second and third turtle mount the log using the claws at the tips of their webbed feet to gain purchase. They are all aligned head to tail as if in a marching band. The smallest attempts to climb upon the largest turtle's back. The large turtle seems oblivious to this invasion of personal space. Do turtle shells sense pressure or pain? Or are they like the human brain, absent pain sensors? When they climb atop the log, their shells are glossy shining. After sunning, they dry up looking dusty. I wish I could apply several coats of shellac for a permanent gloss like richly polished wood. Two of them hold a king of the hill battle vying for sun angles. One drops into the drink and a fourth climbs into the vacated space. Shortly, the one dumped into the drink returns becoming the caboose of the four turtle train. I would love to understand their thought processes especially as the tiniest tries to squeeze into a non-existent gap between the bigger two. The last to arrive flips off backward like a scuba diver and heads out to explore murkier pastures which brings me back to sabbatical thoughts. I've picked the musical score to start me on my journey. It is, it has to be, Joshua Tree by U2, an album when first released that spoke to my wanderlust, of running just to stand still, of hiding from corporate life to stroll and bask in the desert suns, of blowing up the walls confining me on the inside and opening my soul to freedom experienced only vicariously in movies and dreams, both the awake and sleeping varieties. Carnage. Saw a dead hawk a few feet from a dead raccoon both smack dab in the middle of a rural road. Obviously, a case of roadkill. I do wonder if hawk was smashed while feasting on the already dead raccoon or hawk was swooping in for the kill and the vehicle took them both out with a thump thump. My educated guess is the former in which case the vehicle on the lonely road should have been able to avoid the deadly collision but chose not to. Murder. He writes. Clues? There were no skid marks implying the driver chose not to slow the roll. Murder. I write again. The corpses were shortly after a sharp bend requiring a demonstrable slowage in velocity providing ample time, even for a truck, to avoid impact. Murder. I scream to the heavens. On the flip trip back from a short excursion to another small town, I find someone has moved the corpses off the road. Is it then I see the distinctive red tail of the red-tailed hawk? This raptor is a favorite of mine in the Beautio family for no other reason than our linkage by the term red. I'm a redhead, the magnificent bird a red tail. Knowing the identity, my heart skipped a beat, then another until, overwhelmed, I stopped, backed the car up, parked on the shoulder. I've long coveted a tail feather from this particular predator. Decades ago, on a trip to Big Bend National Park in Texas, I hacked the wing off a roadkill turkey vulture, a blatant violation of the Federal Migratory Species Act. I again choose to flaunt federal law and extract a single tail feather. Most feathers were mangled beyond repair during the murder. 
I was lucky to find one in almost pristine condition. Why, you may ask, would I flaunt federal law for a feather? I envy the freedom birds represent. They are not beholden to political boundaries or physical ones. They flap those magnificent wings and alight wherever they please. No passport. No la migra flexing muscles to intimidate. The world is their oyster. The red tail is big enough to hunt substantial prey, big enough to not stress over being hunted, small enough to ward off the haranguing crows while it perches in a tree and territory crow would rather claim for itself. How can one not envy the effortless grace with which birds take to the air? The one drawback is diet. The red tail is limited to eating meat, either cold, rancid carrion or still warm and impaled on those formidable, curved talons. Raven, on the other hand, eats almost anything which is preferable to my palate. I could eat squirrel for days on end, as long as I know variety is in my future. The feather was more difficult to extract than anticipated. Once removed, I had to preen the barbs and barbules to smooth the field. It would have been easier if the flesh had time to putrefy and soften. Still, it was worth the effort. Holding the feather up to the sun, I found another minor flaw. As soon as I fixed THT flaw, the feather started to vibrate pulling my hand upward. Flight? I scoped the corpse and found one more tail feather that wasn't mangled beyond repair. It, too, vibrated when smoothed out. Holding them in outstretched arms I could feel the pull skyward. Not enough energy to pull me off my feet. Too bad the flight feathers were beyond repair. I would have sewn a few into the flesh on each arm, stuck the tail feather shaft up my ass. Then, I would have been able to take to the air. How high would I be able to ascend? That I do not know. Perhaps my future holds the answer. July 6, 2021. This is the end, my beautiful friend. The end, of our stay in Broadhead. Different trip than last year. Less reading and writing, more fishing. Probably our last time here. Lots of fireworks stress the dogs to diarrhea, when we could coax them out of the bathroom. We originally chose this cabin to be far, far from the Chicago boom-boom fireworks which terrify the Dogo people. It is lesser here but the third and fourth experience here is very boomy. Next year, maybe Hayward. Maybe northern Minnesota. The criteria are remote plus the presence of loons. The loon whale not only defines the Northwoods but is also haunting in a way that stirs the soul. Next year, we are thinking up, up, further up north. Ideally to a place where we can visit with loon. Seeing them would be nice. Hearing is of greater import. Their call-slash-whale is one of the most enigmatic and beautiful in the wild world. On par with Canyon Ren in the Utah Cannons or Coyote against a backdrop of giant saguaro cacti. I've experienced all three. All are tied for first in my soul of souls. These voices touch my inner primeval awakening me to an awareness of the she-creator of nature, of the universe. If anyone asks me how I know God exists, I simply reference to the three voices of Loon, Canyon Ren, and Coyote. And if they challenge me on the God gender, all I need do is point to the natural world. Man does not bring life into the world. That is the realm of females alone. The birther. The nurturer. The sustainer. To ever put a male gender on creator is to make God in male's own flawed image. It is painfully obvious to the open mind the God gender is female. This early morning outdoor peacefulness will be sorely missed. Bird song, water splashes, trees rustling all to be replaced by the cacophony of the big cityscape. Love the variety inherent with big city living, but, there's a soul-soothing essence living on a quiet lake not attainable anywhere else. It is the tranquility of water smoothing the kinks binding my soul that I will miss most of all. The rest of the experience is icing on the scrumptious cake. I think I better take up camping again. It is the only way for me to feel fully human. July 6, 2021